0: passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years and mom of four kids and not to mention everybody's best friend with fresh biblical insight she dares you to step out in raw faith.
1: guys welcome to the autumn mile show welcome 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 i'm so glad that you're joining me today i just adore you guys i have to say our show last week is just got me going i'm telling you um if you have not had a chance to listen back through my church chat with my pastor friends Go back and listen to it. It was so good. I, I rarely listen to the full-length podcast myself because I do them. <laughs> uh, but this one I did. I listened back to it, and I'm telling you what, my friends are just so, they're they're filled with the Spirit, which is incredibly important as pastors. Um, but they were raw, and they were real, and um, I just felt like it was so good. So if you are in a place where you're like, oh, I don't know about this church thing right now, it just feels awful. It feels weird. I don't know what to do. Do I go back? I don't know if I fit at my same church anymore. Should I move on? What should I do? Listen to this podcast from last week and just allow the Spirit to speak to you. Let Him speak to you. Uh, but I, I just want to give a thank you to my pastor friends, David and Amanda Carey, who pastor in Columbus, and John and Jess Youngblood, who pastor uh, in Texarkana, Texas. And my husband was with us as, as well. Uh, so thank you all for joining me. Um, today is my 17th wedding anniversary, you guys. Seventeen years. And I want to just give a Crazy shout out to my husband um, because we have been through a lot. You know, I, I looking back through pictures of like the day that we got married, we both look like little kids. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny. Like my husband doesn't even look like himself. We, I mean, there's not even like a, a fraction of him that looks the same. We had someone come in our house, and we have a picture, an old picture of us in our uh, bathroom, and. And someone looked at it, and they were like, "Who is Autumn hugging right there?" And the, the, Cassie was uh, was with them, and she was like, "Ah, oh, that's Eddie. That's that's Eddie." So it's funny to look back at these older pictures, and you know, to be married seventeen years and have four children. Um, I don't think looking at those old pictures in in two thousand and four when we were married. I don't think we could have come up with the thought of what God was going to do in our marriage and in our union. Um, I don't even think we could have created the the literal thought process of how God was going to give us our children and just the different things that we would walk through. Um, it's so amazing to me that Eddie is my second husband. For those of you that do not know my story, I was married before Eddie. I got married at 18, divorced at 22. Um, it's a it's a crazy story, but I mean, you, you could look it up and find it. And just to be brutally honest, and that's kind of what I like to be on the show, when I remember getting I knew I was going to marry Eddie. I knew it. I knew it when I saw him. He was different. He was not like the same. He was just different. He was different. Um, He wasn't anything like anyone I had ever dated. I actually told my kids that this week. And I'm like, I can't believe that we actually got married. And, And Eddie's like, really? And I said, yeah, because you're nothing like what I thought my type, quote unquote, was. And he was like, what was your type? And I'm like, I don't know. People that were mean, I guess, but um it's it's so crazy that I remember, I mean, I was decked out for our wedding with a new wedding dress. I wanted it to be completely different from my first wedding. I had my hair done completely different. We got married outside rather than getting married in a church, because I just wanted it to be completely different. My dad did our first my first wedding. We had someone totally different do uh, my second wedding. There was just nothing was the same. And I remember standing there, I could hear like as the, the bridesmaids went down and as they were walking, um, I could hear the music and I was, I'm going to be brutally honest, totally terrified. I was totally terrified and it was almost as if I was feeling, um, what if this isn't what I think it is? What if this is going to fail? And you know, when you've been married before you have those thoughts, it's a very raw and honest thought that I had. And I remember as soon as I had that thought, literally staring at the aisle, the spirit of God said, don't let fear steal the biggest blessing that I am ever going to give you away from you. And I'll march down that aisle. I knew Eddie was for me. I knew that this fear was the enemy trying to keep me from literally the most incredible thing that, that God has ever blessed me with apart from his spirit and salvation. But fear could have really stopped me. And I want to tell those of you out there today looking back, I'm so glad fear didn't win. I'm so glad I pressed into the spirit of peace and I'm so glad I took the steps of getting remarried and um, even relearning who I was during those first few years of marriage. And because we have, God has built, we have built a life on the foundation of the word of God that I always wanted, but didn't really know was possible. So for those of you that are, you have peace about a situation. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's my anniversary. So clearly I'm going to talk about my husband, but for those of you that have a peace about a situation and you're confident in it, which I was very confident in Eddie as a person, I was confident in Eddie and terrified of marriage, <laughs> And um, I'm so glad that um, I pushed past that. But if that is you today, you're confident that God is asking you to do something, you're confident that you're supposed to start that ministry, do that business, step out, quit your job um, and start something new, you know, uh, sign up for foster care. You're confident of that, but you're scared of the process, cling to the word of the living God. Because there will come a day when you push past that fear that you can look back and you can say, I am so thankful, so thankful that I didn't let my flesh win. So happy anniversary, Eddie Miles. Thank you for adoring me, literally adoring me. That was on my list of things that must happen if I ever was going to remarry. And that man adores me. And it is, everybody knows it. It's not a secret. It is not a secret. So happy anniversary, Eddie. I love you very much. Uh, We are going to come back after the break, and I am going to talk about the fact that God will test your faith. And how does He test your faith? And what do you do
0: when He does? We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this.
2: Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold.
0: Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles.
1: <laughs> Okay. Okay. Here we are back from the break. You guys, I love this word. Um, I think maybe this will put your heart at ease a little bit with whatever it is that you're facing in your life. I want you to know just straight out the gate. I've got so many scriptures today and we are going to hit them all. Okay. God will test your faith. <laughs> How's that for starting off? God will. It will. He will. He will. 100% He will test your faith, okay? Um, We don't like this. This isn't something that's super fun. Uh, Most of the time when God is only testing our faith, we will blame it on Satan attacking us. We'll say, wow, Satan is just really at it or the enemy is just really getting to me or look at all this stuff. And that is not always the case. Listen, I love to blame the enemy too, but sometimes God is testing your faith to find out, are you actually what you say you are? Do you actually have the faith that you are telling everybody you do? Do you have the, there there is a perception of you in your faith journey? Is that a perception or is that a reality? We are going to talk about Testing your faith today. It does happen. It will happen. The good news about what I'm going to share with you today is a lot of times these are only tests. These tests are not meant to make you fail. They're meant to make you see where you're at in the faith journey. I have four kids, four. Y'all know it. A 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, and two six-year-olds. Grace and Jude and Moses love school <laughs> they love it um, they thrive at school they're all three uh, straight a students and they're they just they're really really great at it Haven hates school with everything in her ever loving being unless she gets an a on a test and she gets praised and then she's ba- she's she's in the I like school club but she doesn't want to learn she doesn't like teachers telling her um, that what what she Has to do. She likes to do things on her own. She's a very independent spirit. All four of my children in school have been tested since the first day they were in school. They learn something in reading or English or history or whatever it is. And then what happens at the end of their uh, unit or the end of their course? They get tested. Now, listen to what I'm going to say to you about this. I, as a parent, when my children are tested based on the curriculum that they have learned, never, ever call the school to complain. I never call the school and, why are you testing my child? Uh, This is too hard. This is too whatever. As a matter of fact, as a parent, you guys, I expect it. I expect the teacher to test my children. Why? Because I want to know where they stand in their grades. I want to know what they're learning. I want to know what they've caught and what they need to work on. Their teacher needs to know. And more importantly, they need to know. They need to know exactly where they're at because a lot of times our kids in a school setting can think they're way further than they are. And then they get tested and they get like a C. Okay. Oh, well, mom, I thought I knew the material. I didn't realize what was going to be asked of me. Okay. Well, that's why you're tested. So, you know, the same happens you guys in the Christian life. The same thing. We have a great teacher. His name is God. And he gives us tests. The curriculum is faith. He asks us to go through two main types of testing, okay? Two I'm going to talk about today. The first type of testing that is very common is an action. He will ask us to do something that we would not do ordinarily. It sounds weird, it seems crazy, it seems whatever, but he is asking it of us, okay? The second way he tests us is with lack of sight. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. One of the ways he tests us is by not showing us what he is doing, asking us to believe that he is working all along. And we're going to talk about those two things. In the curriculum of faith, when we are tested, we complain a lot.
2: God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you asking me to do this?
1: We kind of become these school-age kids. Mom, I had a pop. I ju- my my son just came home not 4 days ago and said I had a pop quiz and I failed. And I was like, "Okay, well, um, did you know the material?" Well, it was only one question. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, so you only had one question on your pop quiz and you got that question wrong and so you failed." Yes. Well, sometimes God asks us to do one thing, and it's a one question pass or fail, and that's kind of how we know where we stand. And I told my, husband, uh, my son, I said, buddy, you've got to expect, expect that everything that you're learning in the curriculum of this particular class is up for a test at any time. Now, I'm not mad at the teacher. No. I want the teacher to test my children to see where they stand. I put the responsibility on my son. Okay, you've got to be ready for it. And guys, when we look at our Christian life and when we know that tests will come 100%, they are going to come, and I'm going to get to three different scriptures to to, uh, support this point here. When you know a test is coming, you can have a different attitude about the test, okay? First of all, if it feels like an attack, it may only be in a test. And that's when you go to the Lord and say, Lord, are you testing me? Or is Satan attacking me? Which one is it? What heart do I need to have? Um, but both of them require the heart of a warrior, but what do I need to just stand? Do I need to trust you through this? What do I need to do? Because a test has a result of, Um, When we pass the test, when God gives it to us, we can, just like my four children when they get A's, we can stand back and we can look and we can say, wow, God, I see that you were just testing me and I actually persevered through the test. And you can gain almost a confidence and faith that, man, I'm not where I thought I was. I'm further along. Or maybe if you fail the test, you're the opposite direction. I want to go to um, James James 2. Let me get my little ducks in a row here. I have my ducks in a row, but I've got lots of papers today. I want to go to James 2. I want to read out of 14, um, James 2, 14. Now, this is talking about faith and works. We may have gone over this a couple weeks ago, but we're going to circle back to it because it is uh, just, just a really good scripture. What? use is it, my brethren? If one says he has faith, but he has no works, what's the use, okay? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you don't give him what he, what is necessary for their body, what use is that? He's saying, Are you just walking around telling people that, oh, I have so much faith, and then someone comes to you and asks for something, and you have the ability to step out in faith and give it to them, but you don't? What good is that? Your faith should be active, okay? Even so, if it has no works, faith is dead being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe God, that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, James going there with the foolish comment, that faith without works is useless. He goes down and he talks about Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Next verse says this, and the scripture was fulfilled and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Now, I have talked about faith so much recently, um, but this passage really kind of um, is very relevant, I think, to where a lot of us can be at times. Um, have you ever seen person, someone that that talks about how much faith they have all the time? I have so much faith. I have faith. I am believing for that. I am believing, stand and agree, but touch and agree with me. And all of those words are really, really churchy words and churchy phrases. But do you ever notice that, do you know someone like this that's constantly talking about how much faith they have, but they never act? You never actually see them step out. They talk about it a lot. They're like a tree with really, really pretty leaves, okay, that never bears fruit. But then do you also know that person who never talks about their faith and they're just kind of, um, you know, they believe God, they're constantly in prayer, but you constantly see God doing incredible things in their lives. Um, They're, they're not a tree with pretty leaves. They're a tree that has a, a little leaves and a lot of fruit on it, okay? That's the difference here. I don't want, I, the, if you're listening to my podcast, you are you are interested in the things of the Lord, I believe, because that's what I'm interested in and, and that's what I talk about. So this should really challenge you. When you are walking in faith, works prove faith. When you step out, it proves that you have it, okay? When you step out and you do the work that God is asking you to do, it is a test that proves that you have faith. Let's go to Abraham in Genesis 22, okay? I actually just read this yesterday, which is crazy in my own quiet time, and I didn't even know that this is what I was going to do today. Genesis 22 says this, and we're gonna go over to Abraham's story here. Now what came about after these things that God tested Abraham. He tested him. Now, God, I told you there's two different ways that God mainly tests us by asking us to do something and by trusting that it's happening when there is no sight to it. Okay, another a third one I would add would be time. And we might get to that at a later at a later date. But uh, right now I want to focus on those two main ones. God tested Abraham. Abraham and he called his name. He said, Abraham, and Abraham said, Here I am. And guys, this test was not a little Scantron sheet where Abraham had to answer 20 questions to prove that he knew the curriculum. The test, it was only a test. But the test that God asked Abraham to walk through would have probably debilitated me. I'm just going to be honest. The test of God when it comes to our faith, faith is so important to the Lord. And he wants it, when we say we have faith, he wants it to be authentic. Authentic. That he may bring to test your faith one of the most challenging things to you that you can even imagine. What he asked Abraham is crazy. And I actually, it's crazy that I read this on my own yesterday in my own quiet time. God said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Now, I want to just piggyback on this for a second. God had told him in previous chapters, you will be the father of many nations, and it will be through your seed. God, in in previous chapters, had already told Abraham, Abraham's seed will produce what is necessary For the inheritance that God was going to give him. So Abraham knew that God had said it's through Isaac that he was going to be blessed. So when God asked him this of him, he knew what God had said previously. Okay. So when he was asked, He also had the understanding of what God was going to do. It seemed contradictory, and yet Abraham believed the word of the Lord. Listen to what he said. Take now your son, Isaac, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go into the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, which is, oh my goodness, I can't even. On one of the mountains of which I will tell you, I could, I could probably preach an entire message on the fact that he said on one of the mountains, which I will tell you, and I probably will one day. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men and with him, Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to a place which God had told him, okay? On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. I'm gonna skip over um, to verse, let's see, eh, eight. Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb For the burnt offering, my son. Because Abraham's like, "Uh, what are we doing up here? Uh, I mean, Isaac said that. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, what did he say? He didn't look at him and say, you're the burnt offering. He said, God's going to provide it. Because Abraham knew what God had said before this ask of the Lord, which kind of seemed really harsh, crazy. Abraham, I'm sure those three days as they traveled up the mountain, was clinging to the fact that God said, I will bless seed from your own body, and through him all the nations will be blessed. Isaac wasn't married yet. He hadn't bore any children. So Abraham was probably praying constantly reminding God of what he had already said. So his response to his son was very interesting. Where's Where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide it. And yet they came to a place. Abraham built the altar. He arranged the wood, bound his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took a knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know. For now I know. For now I know. You just passed the biggest test that anyone could ever hand to you. For now, this is God saying this. For now I know, Abraham. I know, I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now I know for a fact that you will do what I ask you and that your faith is authentic and it is true. And he goes on and um, Abraham sees a ram in the bush and he brings the ram over and that's what he offers. He, he builds um, an altar to the Lord saying the Lord will provide. I, I got to move on to my next story just for the sake of time, but I want to tell you something right there. It is no small thing for the Lord to look at you and say, I've tested you and now I know. And Because I see that how you've responded during this test I am going to keep my covenant, and you will be one of the most well known people that ever walked the face of the the earth. You will be blessed. It is no small thing for the Lord to know where you stand with Him. God tests us through asking us to walk through something and seeing are we going to cling to it? Are we going to. Step out. Are we going to take the step of faith? But he also tests us with lack of sight. Now I want to talk about uh, the great prophet Elijah. Elijah, I have preached on this passage a lot. I want to kind of skip a lot. We're going to talk about Mount Carmel, but I want to get to um, the end of of this passage, okay? And I'll set up the story for you. He he tests us by asking us to do something. Abraham passed the test. He tested Elijah. By not showing him something, and Elijah passed the test, okay? So here we have Mount Carmel. Elijah, the prophet, uh, predicted that there would not be rain for three years, okay? And there wasn't. There was a huge drought in the land. When Ahab saw Elijah, he wanted to kill him. And he said, you are a troubler of Israel because you predicted this drought. You have brought trouble on Israel. And really, he didn't. There was a a consequence for them worshiping idols. And Elijah said, "Okay, let's have a showdown. You bring all your prophets of Baal and Asherah here. And I am going to, I'm going to call on the name of God and you guys call on the name of Baal and we'll see who answers. The God who answers by fire, he is the real God. So here they built these two altars, and the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah chant uh, all day. They chant all day, and they're asking Baal and Asherah to come and to, and to answer them by fire and say that they are God, they are God. Well, it'll never happen. Then Elisha, Elijah steps up to the plate. They wet his altar. He cries out to the Lord, and as soon as he cries out to the Lord, Fire consumes the altar and everybody bows the knee to Jesus in that moment, bows the knee to God in that moment. Okay. So, and then he goes and he, he basically kills all the prophets of Baal and Asher. It's a really bloody scene. Okay. But it's found in first Kings 18, but this is what I want to focus on. I'll pick it up in 18 verse uh, 40. It says, then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal and do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishim and slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, Now listen, he's saying this in faith. He's saying this in faith. Go up, eat, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So Ahab went up and ate and drank. He wasn't even, he wasn't even sweating it. And it's very interesting to me that Ahab doesn't ask any questions. Um, he just immediately says Mount well, well, if Elijah says it must happen, I'm gonna go eat drink like he ain't sweating it at all. he actually believes as well that um there is going to be a heavy shower and that must have been made him so comfortable that he went and had a banquet, okay so Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and crouched down to the earth and put his face between his knees. Elijah told Ahab, rain is coming. But there was absolutely no proof or sign that the rain was coming. So he crouches down and he says to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So the servant goes up and looks and says, there is nothing. Now I question God in this moment because I think that is so weird that, you know, a couple verses up, God is raining down fire from heaven. Like, he answers him immediately, and now he makes him wait. Like, the fire from heaven was, was a super big deal. You'd think that God, he had God on speed dial. Like, okay, God, I know you just rained on fire from heaven, but now let's see the real rain. And you would think that God would do it immediately. Which encourages me. Because sometimes God answers me immediately. And sometimes he makes me wait. And sometimes he makes me question, are you really there? Are you really seeing it? But if God did the same for Elijah, it encourages me to think, I'm okay. This is just one of God's ways. Sometimes he answers immediately, and sometimes he makes us wait. The servant goes up, and he comes back down. There's no sign. There's no rain. There is nothing. There is no sign that what you told Ahab is going to happen. There is nothing. And Elijah keeps praying. He sends him a second time, a third time, a fourth time. It's really, really crazy. You know, on on time number five, I, I wonder what Elijah's prayers are actually like. He's, he's already prostrate before the Lord. He is crouched down. His face is toward the earth and he is begging God for rain. Make it rain. Make it rain. And then the sixth time, there's nothing. Are you in one of those fourth, fifth, and sixth times? where God is testing you because you don't see, just because you don't see now does not mean that he's not working on it. There is nothing almost spurred Elijah on all the more. There is nothing. Well, guess what? I'm praying harder. There is nothing a fourth time. Well, guess what? I'm going to pray all the more. My my face cannot be flatter to this uh, muddy red clay. I'm going to squash my face to this earth and I am going to pray until God answers me. I'm going to pray because I know he's active. I'm going to pray because I understand that this is what he wants. I am going to pray. I am not going to relent it's almost as if the delay in the proof that the rain was coming made him pray all the more. He didn't stop. He didn't relent. He didn't say, "Oh, well, God just must not be in this. Maybe he just doesn't want it to rain." Maybe no, 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 no. He didn't leave that position until he saw proof that what God said he was going to do.
2: Don't leave That position. Don't leave it. You may leave the position, but God doesn't.
1: We can walk away from praying for something big and for a miracle, but God is right there and He's testing us, saying, Are you going to hang on just one more time? I just want to see it. He doesn't play with us. He tests us just like our teachers do at school.
2: Are they going to hang
1: on? I know they have it in them. But do they know they have it in them? I want them to see what's in them. And then on the seventh time, it came about on the seventh time, verse 44, that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And Elijah gets up and he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. sometimes God tests us through asking us to do something in an act. and then sometimes God tests us through our prayer life by delaying something in the visible world. He withholds it from us. Could God have answered him on the first time? Absolutely. we saw him do it uh, previ- in the previous in the chapter but let's just say this that is not always God's way and if God is delaying and you're not seeing anything, he's probably testing you. Don't fail the test. With it. One more thing, and I know I'm going long, but I'm okay with that. God did not give him a heavy shower. He gave him a small cloud, a tiny little cloud, a cloud that, if you were not looking for it, you would have missed it. I don't look up at the clouds every day, all day long. I don't. I don't do that. I, I'm. I'm not programmed to do that. Uh, really. But what if God has already answered you and he's just given you a small cloud, which will produce rain, but you're discounting the small cloud because it's not big enough for you. It's not a heavy shower. It's not a big statement. It's just a tiny, small cloud, maybe a tiny, small opportunity, maybe a tiny smile from your spouse and your marriage is uh, on the rocks. Maybe just a tiny, you know, smile in your teenager and she's got a bad attitude right now, or he's got a bad attitude right now. Maybe, maybe. The breakthrough is a process, just like clearly this storm was a process. It came in in clouds. It didn't come in immediately with rain like the fire. As you're praying, look for the teeny tiny little proof that God is working. And when you see that small cloud, you declare it as a heavy shower, just like Elijah did. because. Satan is probably not attacking you. God is testing you. Just like our teachers do. We don't complain about those tests. Trust Him. Trust Him in this test that He's got you in. I love you guys. Um, I went a little long, but I felt like I needed to. I will see you after the break
2: with a question from one of you. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com.
0: And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles.
1: Okay, guys, I am back. I hope that encouraged me, you, and it definitely encouraged me. You know, all this stuff that I, t- I talked to you guys about, it's like, you know, just cut to me three months ago on the floor bawling, praising God for His his word to me, all this stuff. He teaches it to me, and and I have to process through it before I ever bring it to you. So, I hope that encouraged uh, you guys today. It it encouraged me just um just talking about it as well. This is a question from you. Her name's Margaret. Okay. Um. What do you do when you realize God won't or isn't going to give you a desire of your heart? <laughs> this is nervous laughter that I'm having. Um. I got to say, I almost didn't answer this question. It's a good question. Um, I think it it just hit me weird. It hit me a little strange. What do you do when you realize God won't or isn't going to give you a desire heart? It just hit me weird. I don't really know why. Um, I'm always going to come from the standpoint of this, Margaret, God bless you. I love you so much. Thank you for listening. My mind thinks like this. I never, ever, ever, ever want to say God's no for Him, ever. If I'm still breathing, I'm believing that God is going to do whatever it is that I feel like He is set apart to do for me. Okay. Um, I think that's why this hit me weird because I was even talking to um, to Amanda about one of our team members about this. I was like, I, I don't know why this hit, hitting me weird, but I come from the standpoint. I think sometimes we say God's no for him. Oh, well, God would never do that for me. So, oh, that's too crazy. God, God's not, he doesn't work like that anymore. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do that kind of a miracle anymore. I haven't seen him do that kind of a miracle anymore. And I learned years ago, don't say his no for him. Don't speak on behalf of him when you don't know for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure that that door is 100% shut. On the flip side of that, I do um, want to say this. There has been no's that God has given me that if he didn't say no, I would not have what I have now. One of them would be an adoption that we were going to go through with. We're working very hard at going through. We were matched with a mom that said that she was uh, pregnant with twin girls. It was the spirit of God that told me that she was scamming us, but we would have gone through with that adoption had it been legitimate and it would have withheld Haven and Moses from us because we would have been done adopting at that point. I'm, like I said, of the standpoint, don't say God's no for him. Don't do it. Believe until you're literally dying. Okay. But if God has told you 100% no, I talk about this in my book, Gangster Prayer, trust him for a greater yes. When God told me no for those twin, identical twin girls, we were devastated. And I do mean devastated. It was like a death. But if it wasn't for that no, we would have never gotten Moses and Haven. And I literally, I don't know what, I don't know what I would be without them. So trust him with that. No, if he gives you a no. Okay. I hope this helps you, Margaret. God bless you. Thank you for writing in. Um, and I love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Catch me next week, right back here on a brand
0: new Autumn Miles show. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.